Hi, everyone. Welcome to Trader Chats, unique perspectives from seasoned traders. I'm your host, Imran Laka, founder of Options Insight and 20-year professional options trader. As you might know, I became a trading mentor about three years ago, but I thought these conversations would be a great way for my students to gain valuable perspectives from some of the professional traders that I know and respect. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Trader Chats, everyone. Today's episode is called Tracking Bitcoin Cycles. And I've brought back a good friend of mine, Kay, uh, who you may remember from uh, last season's podcast, where we talked about the wisdom of charts. Um, you know, Kay has been doing technical analysis for pretty much his whole career. Uh, he's definitely my go-to person when I, when I want to talk about charts and cycles and things like that. So, Kay, welcome back to Trader Chats. Thanks for having me back. No, good to see you, man. Um, so last time <laughs> we, we did touch, obviously, on cycles being a major kind of component of your process when you look at markets, right? And, and you pretty much described it as your first layer. Um, you try to identify these cycles and then you have various other layers on top that tell you about what market regime you believe we may be in. And then in terms of how you generate levels for entry points and things like that, and maybe scenarios from Elliott Wave, right? So things like that. And we went into fairly decent detail in our last chat. Now, something that historically hasn't really been on your radar very much is crypto. Um, and that's because I know you love a, a, a rich data set, right? Because you're a bit of a statistician and, and we can't, we've only got 12 years of history in Bitcoin, right? So I know that was one of your major gripes with even looking at crypto. But in recent times, it sounds like you have got a bit more stuck into the data in Bitcoin. Um, and you mentioned to me that, and your exact words were, this looks like the most cyclical asset I've ever seen. So I was really keen to bring you back and find out what have been your observations looking at this data <laughs> and what type of things are you, are you noticing? And, and would, you know, could you share it with, with us basically? Yeah, well, as you said, right, we only have just under 12 years of data and um, that's, that's not a heck of a lot compared to some of the other financial time series we'll look at. Um, but uh, e even in that short time period, there are some very interesting observations to be made. Um, certain things that will definitely be interesting to keep an eye on uh, in the near future. Um, so I think, yeah, we, we, we're going to share some. We're going to share some images today, just to um, give a flavor of some of the things that are possible. You know. That's a very good point. So if you are listening to this uh, on a podcast, we, we will be sharing some charts on screen. So the best venue to be watching this, definitely my YouTube channel, where we do a video cast. And obviously, Kay's going to do some screen sharing. If you can't um, watch it on YouTube, then we will also uh, have a link to Kay's blog, uh, which he posts on Medium. And he'll post some of the charts on there. So you, you can have a look at the visuals around what we're talking about. But Back to UK, sorry to interrupt. Um, so yeah, what, what are you seeing? Okay, yeah, probably best just to dive in. So um, one thing that uh, is quite immediately observable 
is that there seems to be an interesting 580 day periodicity in um, the detrended price series of Bitcoin. Um, and what I mean by that, uh, detrended, uh, that is, think of it as a momentum indicator, right? Uh, one moving average minus uh, a short moving average minus a longer moving average divided by the long moving average. Some people just call it a relative price oscillator. That's typically what you use in psychoanalysis of, of financial time series where there's a trend. You want to remove the trend out so you can focus on the relative swings, the relative ebbing and flowing within uh, that price series. So the changes in momentum, basically, is what you're identifying. Yeah, you can, you can think of it that way. So uh, where you get tend to get momentum peaks and uh, momentum troughs. Okay. Yeah. Right. And essentially what you're trying to find is if there is, or certainly has been, right, has there been uh, some sort of pattern in um, the the occurrences of those peaks or certainly of those troughs, right? Um, and that's what you will hear psychoanalysts refer to as cycle beats, those troughs, you know, is there some sort of periodicity? Is there some sort of pattern uh, to when those troughs have occurred throughout history? So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's always a historical analysis, right? So we're describing what has been. Mm -hmm. And then of course, if you're going to act on it, that's just, you know, you are, driving with your view clearly in the review mirror mm -hmm. uh but that you know if if you have the right implementations that will obviously protect you from times where yeah, you're wrong. You're, you're basically saying that the the cycle has repeated historically so yes. my base case is that it will continue to repeat basically right that's kind of that's kind yes. of yeah which is a fair enough assumption right as a base case i guess <laughs> yeah you use what you can yeah yeah <laughs> right so um I think maybe if we take a look at what this 580 day cycle looks like in Bitcoin, that might, uh, uh, I, I just find looking at, you know, the actual pictures themselves leaves a lot of the explanation. And what, the what are you, yeah. And what are you using to kind of identify this cycle or type of analysis? Uh, so you can, you can use a spectral analysis, spectral density est estimation. It, it comes with a lot of different names. Mm -hmm. uh, but essentially, you know, if, if you can, if you can picture what a detrended price series will look like, so a momentum indicator, MACD, for example, mm -hmm. right. Uh, and then, uh, imagine, uh, a very basic version of it, which would be a very simple sine wave. Right. Right. Yeah. A very simple sine wave would be uh, the most predictable momentum oscillator on the planet. Right. Yeah, so right. it goes like this, right? Exactly. In a, in a you, uniform, know, you know the amplitude, you know the frequency, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know everything about it. Um, so from that, you can also imagine you could create using uh, sine waves of different frequencies, different amplitudes, you could create what looks like a momentum indicator anything you know all sorts of various things but just combining sine waves of different frequency different amplitudes so you just get this squiggly line with some sort of periodicity in it so could you show that on screen yeah why don't we 
Why don't we go to uh, Wolfram Alpha? This is Wolfram Alpha. If you ever got some math homework and you're stuck on something, go to Wolfram Alpha. They'll help you out. One of the things they have there is uh, plotting functions. And here we've just plotted a sine wave. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. And that, that would be that from GCSE maths. There you go. That could be your that would be your most predictable, <laughs> most simplest, most basic momentum indicator. Now think of combining that guy with other sine waves, cosine waves, whatever you want to call it, and would end up getting something that's more squiggly. Right. For example, we could uh, we could change the frequency. Right. We change the frequency of the sine wave. Boom. And what does that do? You find you start getting a lot of more of them within a time period. You could drop that to a different number, and you get the idea. Mm -hmm. But what happens if, say, for example, we start adding in more sine waves or sinus waves? A whole lot of different things start happening. You start getting more structure. Mm, more squiggles, basically, right? So it's a Let's less call it more, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's starting to, that bottom one's starting to look much more like what an RSI indicator on a stock might look like, basically, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. So you could continue that exercise, of course, and just create all sorts of wonderful shapes, etc. Mm -hmm. So now think if you think of what uh, a momentum indicator actually looks like and imagine decomposing it now, decomposing it into the uh, uh, individual components of the sine waves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. At, and then focusing on, uh, let's call it the ones that correlate best, or most dominant ones with the, that, that pattern of ebbing and flowing within the momentum indicator. It swings in the momentum indicator, basically. Yeah. Okay. That is, yeah, that's, I would say, is the layman's way or way to describe uh, estimating a spectral density because at the end of the day you want to identify what are those strongest frequencies mm -hmm. within this price series or within okay, this so, series so if i understand it spectral analysis or spectral density analysis whatever you're calling it yeah is a way of decomposing a squiggly line or yeah. oscillator let's say a momentum indicator into the most dominant sine waves and maybe you can pull what what are we talking about? Is it a case of there's like five of them? Is there like two of them? Like how many, how many dominant sine waves are you looking for? Because surely if you have too many, then it kind of makes the analysis a bit pointless, right? You're you're trying trying to identify we're gonna take a look two or three, I guess, right? Or not. Yeah, we'll take a look at a few other things, right? So because you're trying to estimate the frequency, it you literally go through an entire range. And you plot a histogram, which shows you just how much each frequency contributes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To, to that series. And you will see if 
if they are, right, if they are dominant frequencies, you will find that there are peaks on that histogram at those points. You'll find peaks there. Okay. Of course, if, if your series is, say, what, what you'd call white noise, if it's purely random, mm -hmm. you, your histogram would be perfectly flat. Yeah, there'll be no dominance. There'll be nothing dominant, right? You just you imagine something that's just perfectly flat. Nothing dominates over any of the others, right? Mm -hmm. If, however, it was just a very basic sine wave, so there's one frequency, you'd find your histogram is just zero everywhere, except at one point where it just spikes up and goes back to zero. Right. But if you had a combination of two sine waves, two different frequencies, mm -hmm. your histogram would have two peaks. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Okay. The sort of things we're looking at, it can look like a mess, right? <laughs> it could look like an absolute mess, which just means nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's where, you know, if there is something, there are some techniques that can actually help you find cycles worth investigating. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, those are conversations for another day, right? But, you know, that is the basic starting point. So I think um, maybe looking at some examples, as in, we'll use the Bitcoin price series mm -hmm. uh, and just talk through, briefly talk through the process and that might help, uh, that might help with a little bit of understanding. Okay, let's have a look. Let's have a look, All right. Okay. So here we're looking at the entire recorded history of Bitcoin. That's the black line in the background. <clears throat> the blue is the detrended oscillator we mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so that detrended oscillator is the momentum indicator, basically, right? It's, exactly. It's trying to show right. you the ebbs and flows of momentum in Bitcoin. Yeah. And you can see when that momentum goes really high up, it usually coincides with a spike in price. And when it comes down, it usually coincides with a, a bearish yeah. kind of low in price, right? Exactly. Typically, this is what you guys are used to see. You have it as a panel below your price, right? Yeah, like a MACD exactly. or, a, or a RSI or whatever, or a composite. All of those indicators that I use and showcase in my Macro Insight calls. That's, that's exactly that's what, what it is. About. Okay. Right. <clears throat> so if I go look at the spectrum and as we say here within the spectrum i'm just going to make this a little i need to take this out okay we're identifying the peaks so the length of the cycle length of cycles that uh correlate best with the pattern of peaks and troughs in that detrended oscillator mm -hmm. What you will notice here is that you got this bunch of peaks in this region here, mm -hmm. right? One from around 100, I call it 180 days to about 300 days. And there's another bunch of peaks at the back end here. We'll call it three peaks. Okay. Mm -hmm. So about seven or eight peaks that is identified. Those yeah. would be the ones worth investigating. I've got three that I have marked over here, right? And I've picked them just by identifying the peaks, right? I've ju I just go in here and I pick that, pick that, and the you know application takes them and to create actually the actual composite cycle that I want to look at. 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In this, you can see my 580 day is right there. Right. You can see him marked here. Mm-hmm. The other three, the other two cycles are related to, mathematically related. One is exactly half, right? And the other is another fraction of it. But let's focus on the long-term one, which is this 580 day. I'm going to pick it and then look at it on our price chart. And even if we take it to sort of early days of Bitcoin, the point to make here, this green line that you see, is extracted from the behavior of our detrended oscillator, right? It's essentially we've picked one of the most dominant cycle periods within the blue line. And then we've plotted the sine wave or sinusoidal wave that comes from that. Therefore, you will see, certainly historically, because that's what we're doing, describing history, you will see that many of the troughs within the blue align with the green. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to decompose that blue line yes. into a, uh, what's it, a predictable cycle, basically, which is based on time periodic- periodicity. Yeah? yeah. That's what you're trying to do, right? So totally makes sense that they should coincide because you're, your, your green line is basically being extracted from the data that you have of the blue line and you're trying to pick up a pattern basically in that. Is that, is that fair to say? Well said. Yeah, that's, that is exactly what I would say. Okay. In terms of uh, a trading, you would then have, you know, it's back to the point you made at the beginning where you say, once you've observed what you believe to be a dominant cycle, Assuming that it remains dominant, Mm -hmm. you could structure trades based on, or certainly based on where you are within that cycle. And there's some, you know, there's some basic descriptions we can make of what we're seeing from this 580 day cycle, right? We mentioned those major cycle beats or major troughs in the oscillator mm. that occur every 580 days. Right. The next one of those is not due until the end of this year. End of this year. Okay. End of this year. So December, 2022. But what we see is halfway through the cycle, mm. right? What we observe is what appears to be Let's call it a mid-cycle panic. Yeah. Right? Where the There's green another line, trough. Pardon? Where that green line comes down in the middle, basically. Exactly. Right? Yeah. We find another trough, but maybe not as violent, in the middle of that 580-day cycle, which is not surprising given that we saw that there was also another cycle that the, the, the application picked, which was exactly half. There we go. 290. Mm-hmm. That's where we're seeing this mid-cycle panic. Right. And interestingly, the next one, the cycle beat is due February, mid-February, this current month. 
so yeah but i mean these i guess the point is you, these are not um these are not perfectly going to pick up the time absolutely not right so you could argue with it could be before it could be after yeah like we could well be having that mid-cycle panic already had it in january right but what it's saying is it's coincided it's interesting that that sell-off from 65k to 35k which is a significant drawdown of 50 percent or whatever has happened to coincide pretty damn closely with this mid-cycle beat down in this yeah. cycle that you've picked up, basically, right? That's that's the interesting observation. Right? Exactly. Right. 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 I mean, we can zoom in just to make that point a little and bit. And what's even more interesting, maybe, is what happens after the mid-cycle panic. That is very interesting, right? Right. Because historically, mm. post that mid-cycle panic, Bitcoin tends or has had a lot of parabolic moves higher. Mm. If we start going back in future, then back in time, sorry, you tend to see that a lot of these parabolic moves mm. come in that last half of that 580 day right. cycle period, right? right. And that, that is potentially what we're looking at here. Because mm. we're going to enter that period literally from from end of february right i guess What's exactly that? yeah okay. right this zone here historically has been where we get the parabolic move higher in bitcoin mm-hmm. and the the move that we saw like in 2020 um like obviously the sell-off and then towards the end of 2020 that was I mean, that was parabolic, right? Going from 15K to 45K in a matter of months. Where, where does that fall here, right? Early 2020 rally in price. So, so early 2020. Early 2021. So um, that parabolic move, where did that sit? So that coincided with the upswing that we're talking about, basically. Right? This one here. Yeah, so the middle yes. of 2020. So that's our mid-cycle panic there. Okay. Right? That sort of period. And here is the parabolic phase. That parabolic rally. So yeah, so we're basically saying that that's that's kind of the thing that we're due again, basically, right? This parabolic part of the rally where it can do like a, or it has done like a three to five x, right? Yes. We're we're entering that period. And how yeah, long right? that, that on this chart? I'm trying. Yeah, I'm showing you. I think three of them. Here's the one you're talking about. Here's another parabolic phase here. Mm-hmm. And here is. There's a lot of before chop. that. There's a lot of chop in that one, though, right? I guess. Uh, well, there's a lot of chop in the oscillator, but maybe not in the price so much. Price, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, price is very. Yeah. So what I'm saying is the behavior within this period is where you get these parabolic moves, right? Mm-hmm. Parabolic move, parabolic move. And the and the and the length of time that those parabolic runs typically last is is we're talking what three months or something, right? Exactly. Call it. Three-ish, maybe five-ish months, roughly speaking. Five months. Okay. Right. There's, there's a little bit of hope for the crypto bulls emerging from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not in the business of giving hope to people, but um, you know, we are saying that historically, mm. that seems to be in a pattern. Those parabolic moves, yeah, tend to happen with that 580-day period mm-hmm. periodicity, and they tend to be followed by as dramatic a collapse straight after which is 
which is basically saying this is going to be a choppy year for Bitcoin, right? If, if, this, if this has got any predictive value, and let's be clear, the statistical significance of a seven sample uh, backtest, which is what zero. we're talking about, is zero. But, you know, Bitcoin, a lot of people think it is a very cyclical thing. Like you, you said yourself, you think this is the most cyclical thing you've looked at, right? The fact that you can say that of only... 12 years of history is quite interesting. Um, now, one of the reasons why a lot of people think Bitcoin is super cyclical is because of this halving cycle, right? Yeah. Which a lot of people talk about. And it's the fact that embedded in the code, embedded in the definition of what Bitcoin is and how it's mined into existence, every four years, that supply that's coming gets cut in half, right? And we typically have these big bull runs post a halving cycle. So we literally, that mid-cycle panic that you talked about typically happens just before the halving. The last halving was May 2020. It happens every four years, okay? So the next one, actually, next halving isn't until 2024. So that's quite a, quite a long time away. But it's interesting because that has been kind of touted as one of the reasons for this extreme cyclicality that we seem to see in price movements in Bitcoin. But the cycle you're picking up from doing some quantitative analysis is quite a different cycle, right? It's not, we're not talking about four years, we're talking about 580 days, which is more like a year and a half. So I think that's the kind of new piece of information here that maybe some people have not seen or have talked about before. And, and what it does is it basically presents a picture of some serious swings that could be happening this year, where we do finally make a low sometime in February. Possibly. Uh, this month. Um, and we could have a quite an impressive run to maybe back to the highs or even through the highs um, at some point over the next two to five months. And then we have a nightmare into the year end, right? So uh, look out. I mean, Drama. for those of you who are trading crypto, look out. Um, one kind of saving grace would be volatility is cheap. For, for the type of swings we're potentially seeing here, the parabolic nature of the rallies that you get in this period, the collapse... The fact that crypto vols trading at 60, 70, to me, doesn't sound bad, right? So being an options trader, that's something I'm going to be getting very interested in looking at to set up for some of these cycles. But it's really good now that we've seen that on the screen. We know what to look out for. And if we do see some sort of bottoming price action in February, setting up for some upside might look pretty attractive. I mean, is that something you're going to do? Are you, are you going to be getting involved with some upside? Uh -huh. To be honest, I'm already nibbling, right? Right. I've already I already started nibbling away at, you know, getting some upside exposure in June. June looks like uh, the best expiry to play given what's available in the crypto options markets. Yeah, um, that sweet spot between not too long dated and hence the premium is going to be very high, but gives you enough time for the rally scenario to kick in, basically, right? Absolutely. Because Im imagine, imagine we do get that perfect parabolic type move that has happened in the past. But what you, what you may have noticed when we're looking at that chart is that the, the really parabolic phase doesn't come to towards the end of that period, yeah. right? So you, you, yes, you might start getting a rally, but it's sort of gentle. It could be gentle for two months, maybe three months. And then it's really in that final month of that cycle period when things go ballistic, you know, just absolutely nuts. Um, you know, I, so I, I know, I know you don't like to fit 
a narrative to any of these swings, right? But I love it. I love doing that. Okay? You love a narrative. My thing, right? So I, I quite like that narrative. Like, if, if you look at what's happening right now, we've been selling off, okay? And the actual, whilst we have had the occasional day of, like, a, a sharp crash, the implied vol hasn't been spiking on the way down, okay? Yep. And that is kind of a sign of there's not actually that much panic in the market. And there's kind of like, there's someone on the bid who's kind of supporting the market, like preventing it from absolutely falling out of bed. And the, and the idea was the whole of last year, you had institutions jumping through hoops to get approval to allocate into crypto and into Bitcoin specifically, right? And then if you look at some of the on-chain metrics that I've been looking at recently, the, the share of large transactions, like above $10 million clips is fairly high. Right. So as the price has been dropping, big clips are still trading to a site. And we know that the short term hodlers, the short term holders, not hodlers, short term holders have been panicking out of this. That typically tends to be a retail type crowd. Yeah. Retail stocks have been getting destroyed. Like meme stocks are down 50 to 80 percent. So we can see there's a retail flush out happening. But in crypto, if big clips are trading down here, the instos are soaking that up. Right. So right now, the instos are sitting on the bid soaking up this weakness in price, allocating gradually. If this market starts to turn, there may be a lot of instos who were being patient, who start to think, oh, okay, this thing's turning. I need to finish off my buy order and start actually chasing this thing a bit higher over the next few months. Because a lot of people like Raul Powell said, he thinks instos are going to allocate in Q1 or wherever it is. So you've kind of got the recipe there for once we see a turn, that you may have a load of instos who are trying to be cute and sit on the bid and think they're going to get filled. Like, well, we haven't bought what we need to buy. And they, they come in and kind of push this thing higher, basically, right? And then, and, then the, and then the narrative I would attach to, once you get that parabolic move, all those instos have piled in and almost rushed to get their allocation into crypto because they don't want to miss out. So they're FOMOing in. You then have the fundamental macro backdrop has been deteriorating and is going to deteriorate more in terms of inflation and growth rolling over in, in the face of a tightening Fed that could just take all risk assets down by God knows how much by the end of the year. And there, there comes your crypto collapse that lines up with your, with your bearish side of that cycle beat, basically. right? So there's definitely, I, I can see a picture which would line up with what that, what that cycle looks like. And also yeah. has that, that narrative behind it. Who knows if that's how it plays out, right? But, you know, this, this is what I like to do, right? Try and play out in my head the type of scenarios and narratives that could drive these moves. You just like yeah. to observe the moves and trade the moves without any judgment on that, which is fair enough. But, you know, that's my two cents, right? <laughs> and you don't have to agree with it or disagree with it, right? Each exactly. to their own, each to their own. But anyway, with that, I think we've um, we've taken up enough time. Uh, always great to have you on uh, and see what crazy um, quant number crunching is going on in that brain of yours um, and what insights we can glean about what may come next. But yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Um, and uh, I hope everyone found this, this one informative. We did get a bit technical at times, but... You know, uh, you're not going to hear any of this anywhere else, I don't think, right? So, um, you know, make the most of it for those who, who find this this type of content enjoyable. Uh, and, um, you know, like I said, 
watching this on YouTube is where you're going to get the most value because you get to have a look at the charts and see see what we're talking about. Kay, um, you know, you can follow Kay at Trading Shinobi on Twitter. Uh, and there you'll be able to find the links to the blog posts where he puts his views about the market and, and he'll probably put something up about these, these Bitcoin cycles that we've been discussing. So with that, we'll call it, we'll call it a day. And uh, thanks, thanks, uh, thanks for listening. Catch you later. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. To learn more about Options Insight and our trading community, please visit us at www.options-insight.com or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on Twitter at options underscore insight. Until next time, thanks. Thank you.